hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, we have an episode streaming every Monday on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to and you could tap in. We are reaching about 200 episodes now. It's around the corner. Thank you if you've been tuning in week after week to the teachings, all the different teaching series that have been unfolding here, as well as the interviews with amazing leaders in the body of Christ that have a prophetic message that that have such revelation of the gospel of Jesus to really touch hearts. The passion behind the show is Ephesians 5.14, awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The apostle Paul spoke that to believers, not unbelievers, as the body of Christ The Lord wants to awaken our hearts to the beauty of who he is, what he has done for us, who he is in us, the tools that we have at our disposal because of the finished work of Christ so we could truly make an impact for the kingdom of heaven here and now in this time, in this hour. We are in exciting times. God is raising up incredible people all over the world. God is moving mightily and winning hearts uh, for heaven. And so I'm excited to be a part of the laborers in this harvest field. And I've got an amazing minister and man of God on the show um, that uh, his uh, his teaching ministry impacted my life when I first came to the Lord in 2008. Um, his name is Dr. Mark Sharona. Um, he has been an influential leader with a global reach and a powerful voice for almost five decades for the kingdom of heaven. Dr. Sharona is also the founder and the senior pastor of church on the Living Edge in Orlando, Florida, and he is also the presiding bishop of Legacy, of Legacy Edge, excuse me, Alliance, a worldwide fellowship of senior apostolic leaders and churches. Dr. Sharona has advanced degrees in theology and psychology and is currently working on his second doctorate. He and his wife, Ruth, have two sons, four grandchildren. You can learn more at MarkSharona.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. Michael, it's an honor to be with you. <laughs> and so I was just, we were chatting a little bit before the podcast and I shared about one of your teaching series that really impacted my life about destiny codes from the life of Joseph. What a prophetic message that was. And you know, my pastor, uh, David Titamola, who graduated to glory and he was a spiritual father of mine. I know you've ran with him for, for many years and I learned about your ministry through Faith Fellowship and Pastor Damola. And so it's an honor to talk to you today. It really is. Well, it's an honor to talk to you. And um, as, as, as I told you, David was a dear friend and a precious man of God, and our our knowing precedes our youth to his father, Joe, when because we both grew up on Staten Island. All great Italians grew up on Staten Island, by the way. <laughs> yes. The rest are wannabes, but there, those of us that were the wise guys from Staten Island, we had the special anointing. So Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And so you wrote a new book. Tell us the title. And I also want to um, share a little bit because I know that this book is about hope on the edge of hope. And this is about struggle, um, people going through dark times and dark seasons as Christians, as believers, and how they could receive healing and how that could even become a testimony of his glory through their lives. And I know you share a lot about your personal story. I believe this is a prophetic message. I was reading through the book and you were so candid, so vulnerable about your own story. And I know you've been in ministry for years and God has used you in tremendous ways. And um, as a minister, you know, you also went through dark seasons and you you share this so that others can also experience the same healing and hope that you experience as well. So I want to I want to start with, you know, kind of sharing the heart of why you want to release this book right now, as well as let us into that story as a foundation here. Sure. So 
if we go back to my days of beginnings with the move of God, I came to Jesus during the Jesus People movement in the 1970s. That was back when God was a teenager, Michael. And uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And during that era, there was a profound awareness uh, of a rediscovering of the person of Jesus. And I was swept up in it. Um, I was filled with the spirit uh, within uh, a matter of weeks. I immediately led all my band members because I was on my way to making it big in entertainment. That's a whole separate story. But mm, my name yeah. ends in a vowel. I'll let you put all that together and <laughs> figure all that out at another time. But yeah. I, yeah, I, I, so I led all my band members to Jesus. and. Um, we began to travel immediately and my preaching was lousy back in those days, but I preached as well as wrote songs and we made albums and we began to travel and I've not stopped traveling, even though I've pastored and pioneered um, mm -hmm. churches, but yeah. having, by the time we get to 2007, I'm already known all over the world in a couple of hundred nations, mm -hmm. you know, the 200 nations of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm on television. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm blowing and going. I'm on a plane three or four times a week. Yeah. Pastoring a church, having had been through already many seasons of warfare, un, not unfamiliar with the nature of how demonic oppression works. Mm -hmm. But I was on a plane heading to um, the Bahamas to be with a, another dear friend who's gone home to be with the Lord, Miles Monroe because yeah. I would preach for his annual leaders conference uh, mm -hmm. often. And I was on my way there and things that I was wrestling with crept up on me. They accumulated and crept up on me in that moment. And by the time I was done that night preaching for miles, I went back to my hotel room and had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And that led to a Pandora's box being opened of all sorts of things I was having to wrestle with that were going on that I thought I could manage. You're probably too young to remember this, but I grew up on Ed Sullivan Sunday nights. I've heard. And, I've heard. Uh, yeah. And there was a guy that used to be on Ed Sullivan um, named Frank Bizarro. Now, I got to meet Frank years later. He was driving a limo in Vegas, but Frank used to be the he used to be the Italian guy that played the accordion, had a tambourine and had a drum on his foot. And then when he got done with that, he would line up six dowels and make six plates spin while he was doing all sorts of other stuff like yeah, juggling yeah. and spinning. And, you know, <laughs> wow. that was my life mm -hmm. until I hit that moment when uh, all hell broke loose. But I, you know, and and um, I went into a very painful season that lasted three, three and a half years. Most of it was um, plagued with anxiety and depression. My body was worn out. My spirit was exhausted and the enemy took advantage of all of that. And it was a perfect storm because of many dynamics that I was having to juggle with and many pains that I was trying to cope with in relation to a number of things. We had just moved into a brand new building and um, 
Uh, I mean, and we went from a $7,000 mortgage to a $70,000 first mortgage and a $50,000 balloon. And I lost Mm -hmm. well over a thousand people overnight because they didn't want to make the trek the 30 or 40 minutes from where the building formerly was to where it was. And so with 400 Mm -hmm. adults, I was now strapped with financial pressure. And then other things happened that by the time I got to the Bahamas, I was in the middle of a perfect storm and the panic attack was just the beginning of sleepless nights for three and a half years and endless days of agony and pain and everything that I thought I knew was up for grabs. Mm. And um, I'm grateful that I came out of it and I had to discern God in the midst of it. It wasn't easy. Mm. And a lot of the things I preached that I took for granted, I discovered were a little bit too oversimplified and reductionistic. And then I had to come to terms with coming to terms with who is Jesus? What's he up to? Where's he going? Am I going with him? Mm. And um, grateful that I came out of that. Um, And here we are well over so that I came out of that in the middle of 2010, close to 2011. So here I am a decade later chosen books, Kim Bangs approached me and she had heard me teach a little bit on it because I've talked a little bit about it. I've never gone into depth. And Mm. Kim said, Mark Chosen would like to have you consider writing a book. And I was a little bit nervous because, um, you know, I've got degrees in theology. I've got doctoral degrees in theology and I've got a master's degree in psychology. Um, And so I, I, uh, I was on my way to a PhD in psychology when that perfect storm hit. And so I knew full well what I was dealing with. I just couldn't help myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With all my theology and all my pastoring, you can't help yourself. We need other people. Yeah. And um, but in the middle of all that, here I am over a decade later, and I'm just feeling comfortable enough to talk about it. Because even in writing the book, I had to go back and revisit some very dark, painful moments. And that that wasn't easy because there was a lot of trauma involved. But I felt like at this season, given what we've been through with the last two and a half years and what has been a global shaking that is only the beginning of many shakings that are coming, Len Sweet and I wrote a book in 217 called Rings of Fire uh, that Tyndale House published about many things that are that are unfolding in terms of the signs of the times, but not the way the typical popular prophetic books write about it, but yeah. far more from a uh, a historical look at the arc of history and how we need to reinterpret things in light of what the spirit is up to. Um, but this last two and a half, three years has created a great deal of challenge and has triggered a lot of internal pain for a lot of people from grief to loss, to anxiety, to depression, to do we ever get back to normal and on the one hand, and then you've got other people that live in a bubble where they think mm-hmm. everything is fine. Let's just get back to normal that aren't really dealing with reality and, and rely more on magical thinking. If I just wave my wand and say it enough, all these problems will go away. Well, I know that's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I felt it was time for me, the spirit of God, because I've, I've resisted writing about it. Because it was painful to go through it and revisiting it is painful. But the spirit of God made it clear to me that it was time to talk about it for the sake of many that are probably going through it right now. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you're hundred percent right. It's extremely timely. And I know a lot of people in my life, powerful ministers, missionaries, friends, families of mine, 
that have gone through anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, a lot of the same things that you wrote about in your book because I read it and I saw your journey as you were sharing very openly about the things that you went through and you shared about how you tried to power through it. You would bottle things up like these things kind of snook up on you and like in a, in a perfect storm scenario where this bus kind of came and hit you, but it was something oh, that was yeah. kind of building up over time and it all just kind of came to head at, at the same time. And for me, even at the end of last year, I was just powering through. I got I got a bit burnt out. There was some sleeplessness. I was experiencing anxiety. I never experienced it as a believer um, at that point. And I remember I just had to come before the Lord and just open up everything and just let him be my physician. Let him be my comforter. Let him heal areas of my heart because I was carrying other people's burdens and I was trying to walk people through you know, so many things, but at the same time, I, you know, I was kind of trying to power through myself. And so even just reading through this, I'm just like, wow, like I've experienced this. My, you know, my, my, my loved ones or, or this individual, this friend of mine, this minister that I know just opened up to me about this and just reading through it. I was like, wow, like we really need this. And so your obedience to God is going to reap a lot of fruit, but even just growing up in the word of faith movement, a lot of amazing things. I'm so grateful for my roots in the word of faith, but you don't, yes. you don't hear a lot about suffering and, you know, emotional healing, mental health. You don't hear a ton about that. We just want to confess the truth and confess the word. And I believe in the power of speaking the word and walking that out. I believe in it wholeheartedly. For those who are listening to my podcast regularly, I, I share on that. But there, there is an element of, of pain and that, that we don't like to talk about. And it's biblical. And yeah, for sure. There's no, you know, the, the theological term that this umbrella covers is called theodicy, mm -hmm. T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y. Mm -hmm. And all of us have a theodicy, even if we're not philosophically geared or theologically attuned to how to say it. Mm -hmm. theodic a theodicy is the way you reconcile how a good God can allow evil to be present in his creation. Mm -hmm. And at the core we have to come to terms with the fact that there is something called the mystery of iniquity mm -hmm. and that evil is not something God is the author of. And yet, because we live in a fallen world and because our forefather, Adam, made a decision that we've inherited the guilt of mm. and the proclivities toward, mm. we want to really believe we're good. We, there's something in us that, you know, we're, we're not at the core. Only God is good and we need to be partakers of the divine nature. That's right. But there's always that part of us, you know, it, the, that that I'm going to make myself sound as good as possible. <laughs> but evil and good run right through my own heart. So growing up in the Jesus people movement in the charismatic side, when I when I was introduced to the Pentecostal world, um, growing up from, from infancy in, in the spirit to mm -hmm. being introduced into the charismatic world. Um, I, I was as equally impacted by faith. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I cut my eye teeth on the late Dr. Charles S price and Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah, I've got too. every edition of the golden grain. I have mm. Dr. Price's New Testament Greek Bible. It was given to me by the family presented through John Carver after a night on TBN when I preached and told the story of how Price impacted me, even though he was a dead man. And the and so and Price had more resurrections from the dead 
than um, than Wigglesworth did. And I mean, Stanley Frodsham, who wrote Apostle of Faith, also for the Pentecostal Evangel, chronicled everything that um, Price did in all of his meetings around the America and then around the world. And ironically, in my dark season, as I explored certain things that I could cope with, yeah. Dr. Price was so exhausted at 59 years old that the Lord told him to take a year off because he was going through something very similar. Mm-hmm. And sadly, Dr. Price, at the end of, before he was 60 years old in 1947, he died at the end of that year. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had overwhelmed himself with concern for others and wasn't as careful about himself. And mm-hmm. so at 60 years old, he went home to be with Jesus the same year as Smith Wigglesworth in 1947. But so, so, um, and I was introduced to Dr. Price because of Dima Shikarian's influence in the full gospel businessman. Mm-hmm. And so I devoured messages on faith. And yet Price in his book would talk about things that I didn't want to hear about and that not everybody gets healed and not everybody is, is exempt. All of us have to go through pain. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to hear that in my young age. I wanted to know, no, God can do this. Scripture says, and we can make Scripture say what we want it to say. Uh, we, while the Scripture is inspired, my interpretations of it are not. <laughs> true, my interpretations true. are my. And, and what we want yeah. to argue is the Bible is inspired. No, the Bible is inspired, but your interpretation isn't necessarily faithful. That's true. And so when that house of cards began to be shattered, Having been through, like I said, many dark seasons, nothing to the degree of what I went through in 2007, though, the last three and a half years, I had to reevaluate how I was going to read scripture and how I was going to allow the scripture to read me so that I could discern Jesus in the midst of my pain. Because one thing I did know was that he was wounded for my transgressions. He knew what I was going through. That's right. And he was suffering with me, but I had to let him love me in the midst of the pain. Mm-hmm. And that took a while because I was fighting it tooth and nail. Yeah, well, we see it. We see it in the Gospels. It's in the Bible. It says, you will have trial. You will have tribulation, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. You see it in the life of the Apostle Paul, being in prison, being stoned. You see it in the, and, in the book and, of Acts. Yeah. And Paul despairs of life in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He, yeah. he is he has the sentence of death. I was so excessively burdened that I despaired of life. So that, And he said it wasn't just me. Half of the team was in that state. He says, but I had to learn how to. He said the sentence of death was passed in me that I shouldn't trust in myself but in God who raises the dead. And I think there are many times, Michael, that we don't realize how much we trust in ourselves more than we do in God. It's Jesus plus all my determination. It's Jesus plus all my effort. Mm, Jesus plus all my confessions. And salvation is not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Grace means I can't. God has to. Now, how that works out is not passivity, but it's not Jesus plus everything I do. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still learning it. I'm still learning. (laughs) It's a lifelong, it's a lifelong learning. And at this season (laughs) of my life, I want, I want to die well when I die. So, you know, I'm just, that's what I'm working on now. I just want to die. Well, I want, I want, I want Jesus to be glorified even on the day he takes me home. That's all I want now. At the end of the and day. I want to just help as many people as possible. Yeah. It's just, I want Jesus to be my everything every single yeah. day in the good, yeah. in the, in the, you know, like Mary of Bethany, when everything was good, he was, she was at his feet. 
when her brother died, she ran and collapsed at his feet. And when yeah. she received the victory, she poured out everything at his feet. She was always at his feet through it all. Yeah, and the reality is, is that Jesus says of her, she chose the necessary part. <laughs> and yeah. for some of us, it takes all our life to get to where Mary got to. Yeah. She's the only one that knew he was going to die mm -hmm. and anointed him for burial. <laughs> he anointed his feet for the journey into the darkness. Powerful. And we don't want to be anointed for seasons of death and burial, but there's no way to resurrection power and rising above dead things until we know what needs to die. And we end up thinking we know what needs to die and it died already, but Christ died for me. Yes. Christ died as me. Yes. But then Christ has to die in me too. And that's the one thing that was missing um, in a lot of our popular teaching that I think to our detriment we withheld and a lot of people jumped ship and became disillusioned because they said this doesn't work mm -hmm. you didn't tell me the whole truth mm -hmm. and i think if the truth if knowing the truth sets us free we owe it out of integrity to the body of christ to tell them the whole truth and begin to say as best as we can we want to faithfully begin to interpret the scriptures and not make them say what we want them to say mm -hmm. and use Jesus and the Bible as a technique that as if my techniques are what delivers me because my techniques, Jesus didn't die to give us a set of techniques, That's three right. steps mm -hmm. to get this, mm -hmm. four steps to get that. Mm -hmm. We're not technique driven. We are cross bearing disciples who mm. share the co-crucifixion of Jesus on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is the apostle Paul, he said that in the last days we will gather teachers that just tickle our ears, tell us what we want to hear. But, you know, even when it comes to in Ephesians, he said that the Holy spirit takes that, which is in the darkness and brings it into the light so that it becomes light. When we take that, which is in the darkness, hidden in our soul, the pain, the, the lies, the fear, all the different things that grapple with us on a daily basis. We bring that into the light of his glory and it hurts. You're right. Facing oh, pain hurts. Oh God. And bringing it. Sometimes it's not as easy as we think to. So, oh, you know yeah. how, like, like, like if prior to that season, now look, I have, I have always integrated theology, pastoral, practical theology with sound psychological principles that I could mm. argue for scripture. Mm -hmm. So that's been part of my ministry the whole time. But I also was so committed to God's going to do this that I would, there would be times in my Italian dysfunction that I would just <laughs> offer a pat answer. Sure. I can't do that anymore. But when Paul says, you know, both Paul and Jesus say these words, be anxious for nothing. And yet both of them in the garden of Gethsemane, if you look at the, what Jesus agonizes over in the garden, the words there in the Greek describe extreme panic, anxiety, and trauma mm -hmm. cause him to collapse to the ground. And his blood pressure becomes so high that his capillaries burst and he sweats drops of blood. That's when he begins to redeem us. The blood is shed mm -hmm. beginning with his sweat. Wow. That's when he begins the work of redemption and his passion. And so the guy that said, be anxious for nothing himself suffered anxiety. And that may have not have been the first time he suffered it. Um, we just know that story as the place where the loud supplications and tears were offered. Paul in Philippians says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication mm -hmm. with thanksgiving. Make your And so it's easy to just quote that verse and not realize that there is a difference in the Greek between prayer and supplication 
And if we want to deal with that word supplication at its roots and look at how it was used by the early Greeks and then how the theologians, the, the, the fathers of the church and the mother of the church adopted that, supplication requires you've got to get brutally self-honest about those deep negative things inside and bring them to speech and not hide them from God. And when we rely strictly on confession and say, I'm not this and I'm not that, we're actually not confessing, we're denying the very pain we're embracing. And the confession, instead of working for us, works against us because we're then repressing and suppressing the pain for fear if I say this, worse is going to happen, which is a totally false way of interpreting scripture. Absolutely. Totally false. Mm Mm-hmm. You, you, I agree 100%. And you talk about, you know, the, the steps that you had to take, you, 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 you talk about acceptance being a huge part of that. You talk about leaning on Jesus in others being a huge part of that. And so the way my mind is, is moving right now, I'm, I'm, I feel like there's people that are hearing this and they're like, yes, I get it. I am struggling right now though. I am in the middle of the battle. I am struggling with depression, anxiety, fear, hopelessness, all these different things. How can I take steps forward? I, you, you share also, and I probably, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself actually, but you know, you do share some practical steps to push people and motivate people towards that healing. So I just feel like people are like, well, how could I, how could I grab hold of this thing? How could I move forward with it? Yeah. And one of the things I go into detail in, as you've read the book, is mm-hmm. the process of acceptance. Now, mm-hmm. Um, again, because of my training in psychology, I knew all of the theoretical approaches. Um, let me just say this, because in our tribe, Michael, there has been an anti-academic, anti-scholarly, anti-psychology bent. We don't like Pentecostal scholars because <laughs> they because they take away our faith. That's not the case at all. Most of the mm-hmm. Pentecostal scholars I know love the move of God and love God enough to love God with their minds so that they can actually study the text at a much deeper level mm-hmm. to help us navigate our way. Where would yes. we be without commentaries? Yes. Where yes. would we be without Greek lexical aids? Where would we be mm-hmm. without Hebrew scholars? Mm-hmm. And so the study of scripture is more than just your devotional reading. Mm-hmm. But all of those suspicions play into the fact that most of most of the people that are listening, I, I'm this is my family. This is my tribe. I know what it's like as a pastor to be demonized for using psychology, even though I've used it faithfully. Mm-hmm. So I so yeah. I, I know there's suspicion. Well, we just pray and it all goes away. Well, yeah. if you ever study the early church fathers. So if we begin, let's say, with Evagrius Ponticus, or we go from Evagrius to John Climacus to St. John of the Cross to the greatest of all on the spiritual senses, Maximus the Confessor, and you look at that four or five centuries where they develop an awareness of the many ways in which negative emotions and negative um, feelings uh, press up against the spirit and the soul and get us into a place where we get into major warfare and don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I see happening in therapeutic consciousness in particularly in the last 50 years is actually not anything new for the church. It's just that we don't know that it's been around for millennia. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, the reason I say that is because I, I did have to, I needed a pastoral friend who listened and understood from a pastoral perspective yeah. how to walk uh-huh. with me through it. And I also needed a professional clinical counselor to work me through my, the way I, my mind was operating. And integrating those two was a gift from God. And so the process of acceptance 
took all of that because I think we, we well, just accept it. Well, I had to wrestle through the fact that I was conditioned to believe accepting means resigning. Mm, yeah, wow. If I accept it, that means I've got to resign myself to this. And that's not what that mm. is at all. But yeah. the moment I start fighting what I need to accept, I'm actually giving it more power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I go into great lengths in the, in the book, dealing with the journey to acceptance. And then from there, because it's part of cognitive behavioral therapy, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. Dr. Steve Hayes, Russ Harris, um, it was many of those um, seminal voices in psychology in the last 50 years that influenced much of the clinical training. And my, my therapist um, was, and now, now again, I'm a pastor. I'm admitting I went to a therapist and that's anathema and pastors don't want to admit. And we were afraid of admitting yeah. we need help. And I am grateful to God for every person mm. God put in my life in that season to get to where I am now. God uses people and all truth is God's truth. Now, if you were to tell me, you know, if we go back a hundred years into where psychology was with Sigmund Freud, no, I wouldn't want to go. Now, I think there are things he discovered that were true about the unconscious, but I I wouldn't want to use a Freudian approach because he's already been debunked in many ways. Mm -hmm. But much of the practical ways in which we understand how the mind and the heart need to be put back together again. You know, our big challenge is the head and the heart. And so my head is where I'm trying to analyze and wrestle and reason out. And so I'm trying to figure out how to fix myself. In the meantime, my heart is languishing and I don't know how to build a bridge between my head and my heart. And that's the classic struggle for Adam. Yeah. It's the head and the heart. Mm. And that was the classic struggle for me at that moment in a way I had never wrestled with before. And so acceptance built a highway between my reasoning and my intuiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had to commit to love Jesus anyhow in the midst of it. And then I go through a whole long thing in what does commitment look like? And, you know, that would take way more than a podcast. That would take like two days of a <laughs> seminar. But, sure. but I mean, I, but I do go through those steps to give people an awareness of, you know, I had to do a lot of, I had to do a lot of open, honest bringing to speech my pain. And I had to accept it. I, you know, when I had to realize I didn't get there overnight, I wasn't going to get out overnight. Mm -hmm. Now, honestly, in the middle of it, Michael, I didn't think I was going to make it out. Mm -hmm. I I, I thought that was my new normal. And what I can say to anyone that's struggling right now, and I, I would want them to hear me, this is a season you're going through, not a life sentence. Yeah. Jesus loves you. And as you allow him by his love and grace to bring you to wholeness, he's not going to, he's not going to fix you. You're a human being. He's going to heal you. There's a difference between the technological technocratic consciousness of the American mind, Kmart mentality. Give me a technique. Jesus didn't die to give you a technique. Jesus gave you himself. That's right. At the cross. And so he's not going to fix you. He's going to heal you. And that I can say with 100% assurance, he will heal. You know, Michael, and I don't mean to, you can interrupt me anytime you want. Mm. My heart breaks. I have, at 67 years old, I've probably seen more than I care to admit in the ministry, but my heart is broken 
in the last few years as I've, as I've seen so many young men and women take their lives in the ministry, um, pastoring successful churches and yet inner turmoil and struggles that they felt they couldn't get out of. And they took their lives. And that was part of the reason I felt like at this season in my life, I want to leave something behind for that younger generation to grow on because I don't want them to think that they can't get through this and that mm. that's their only option. Yeah. Uh, because taking your life is not the only option. It's a temporary, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, as David Evans would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the Apostle Paul, he says that he is the God of all comfort that comforts us with the same co- that when we get to comfort others, we get to comfort others with the same comfort that he has given to us. I and it's that. not a spooky comfort. I had to get the comfort from the man of God. That was my closest personal friend, all, another Italian all the way back yeah. in the days of Bible school, Vinnie Manzo and, mm-hmm. and the therapist, they were the two closest. But now my wife had to walk with me through it and it was hard for her because she didn't know how to handle a man that was usually so well capable of handling things that now he felt like he was a, a just a, a blob and a mess. It was painful for her and my heart broke for her as well. But, um, but those two people were God's way of comforting me. I, you know, I, I, as Pentecostals, we want to believe some, the heavens are going to open up and all of a sudden you're going to get this inrush of the Holy Ghost and the anointing is going to break the oak. We, we oversimplify these things. Mm-hmm. And we end up in the, the, the false awareness that if I just hope enough, it's going to go away. That's not how it works. It's never worked that way. But it's a common malady in the current culture. And it's, it, it's very, it reduces things down to oversimplicity. And Piaget, the child psychologist of another, mm-hmm. another, another century, called it magical thinking. And when you've got adults that are behaving like seven-year-olds that think, you know, if I just wish on the star long enough, all my dreams are going to come to pass. It doesn't work when we deal with the afflictions of the soul. It never has. It never will. And the Bible is real. David, one third of all the Psalms are David in anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, mm-hmm. and, and utter pain and evil and warfare. We don't want to read. We, we, we want everything to be cosmetically perfect. God's wonderful. I live in this place where anything I want, I can have. And I no longer can preach that honestly and be able to stand before God and say I was faithful. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I won't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God loves to administer himself through his people. Absolutely. We are, we are his body, right? And so Absolutely. a lot of people put pastors, leaders, you know, apostles, prophets, you know, the fivefold, they put them on a pedestal saying like, wow, these people have it all together. That's why they minister to us. These people must have a perfect life with the anointing always flowing and always hearing from God and all these different things. But, you know, oftentimes we're carrying the burden of so many people. We are pouring out consistently, constantly. And so we, we need, like you said, there's seasons where we need to work through things and we need people to pour into us. And Absolutely. so, and I love what you said, and I want to close with that because this is, I really feel like it's key. You said pain is a season. It's not a life sentence. Yes. The fin- the work of Christ is complete and always, and, and it's, that is forever. That is permanent. The work of Christ 
and his heart towards us and his love towards us and his desire. He's not only able to heal, but he is willing and his, he, he, he loves to heal. And so pain is a season and we come out the other side stronger with more compassion and more love for others and more sensitivity and selflessness because we could feel like Jesus, our sympathetic high priest who went through all the emotions and feelings and struggles that humanity goes through. He's now our sympathetic high priest because he overcame, but experienced those things. And he bears the wounds to remind us, I'm still here to heal you. Mm -hmm. And Jesus will bear those wounds as long as we are still ailing. There will come a day or when time ceases, or however we understand time, at the consummation of the kingdom, when Jesus turns everything over to the Father and presents the body in all its fullness and glory, we're going to be eyewitnesses of watching those wounds close up because he will have completely defeated every enemy and he will no longer have to bear those wounds. But until then, you and I can trust him that his stripes are still healing us. He is a slain lamb that stands as a slain lamb at the right hand of the father. John sees one, he's looking for a lion in the book of Revelation mm-hmm. as he's weeping, but he sees a lamb with seven eyes standing in the same posture that John saw him at the foot of the cross in a crucified position. That's the one who sits on the throne. He's the freshly slaughtered lamb that ever lives to make intercession for us and assures us of his never failing loyal love. He will never fail us or forsake us. I had to learn that in that dark season. Mm -hmm. And if I came out with anything, it's this. Jesus loves me, this I know. (laughs) For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Wow, that is um, a glorious Jesus. So beautiful. I feel his presence so strong. And that's, I love that you sang that because I sing that, me and my wife sing that to my son every night. He's four, he's going to be four in August. And um, God gave us his name. His name's Nico, which means overcomer. Um, And uh, he's been nonverbal. And so he struggled a bit, and um, we know that he's got a prophetic anointing. We know he's going to share the word. God's given us there's a lot of prophetic words over his life. How God's going to use his mouth. And um, anyway, he's he's we're we're teaching him through song because he's learning the words as we're singing. And so he speaks certain words, but he's a hard time putting the sentences together still. But we know the breakthrough is coming. We're speaking the word over him. But it's amazing how he's learning songs and putting words together through song. And that's the song that we sing to him that he's learning right now. And um, anyway, it just moves my heart, you know, and so, wow, um, it's hard to end this because I want to keep going because the sweet presence of the Lord is so powerful. But can you pray for those who are hurting right now that are listening to this podcast that have been through the ringer and and they're being ministered to right now? I would I would love to make space for that. Father, uh, thank you for Pastor Michael and for his wife and for their precious son. I thank you, Lord, that. Nico is going to know your love and grace through this season and be able to tell a story because of it and because of the faith of his mom and dad. And Lord, there are many Nikos that are present on the planet at this time 
and many moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas that are listening, that have had to face grief in this season of COVID, loss, uncertainty, turmoil. Father, this culture has become so divided, it's crept into the church, and we've wanted to cancel one another out instead of listening deeply to one another's pain. We've hidden behind false senses of security for fear of being rejected if we admit we're hurting. I pray now for all my precious brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, that they would know that their elder brother is in their corner, that he didn't just suffer for them, that he's with them in their pain. And like a gentle shepherd and a good shepherd, he's going to spread a table before them in the presence of their enemies in the very valley of the shadow of death. They're going to walk through it and get past it. And they're going to see your goodness in the land of the living. Therefore, Father, I utterly trust that you will make yourself known to them in Jesus in fresh ways by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that that presence that is Jesus himself by the Spirit will so give and infuse divine grace into the core of their being that a fresh resilience and resolve will rise up within them as the resurrection life of Christ brings them to the full assurance that this too shall pass. I ask this, Father, in the name of our elder brother and high priest, the Lord Jesus, and I thank you that the Holy Ghost is going to keep it in our memory for his sake. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a wreck over here. Wow, thank you, Lord. God's touching me. I, it's, a, it's an honor to have you on the show. Wow, to, to listen to your story. Um, I really appreciate. Um, it's awesome how you can come through something so hard and just be a vessel of life and encouragement and truth to so many. And I pray this book goes far and wide and blesses so many lives around the world for His glory and for His kingdom. And um, I'm going to put a link for your website. Um, how could people find out more about you? Tune in on TV, online. How could they get a copy of this book? And tell us about yeah, that. They can, if, yeah, they, yeah, they can go on the website. Uh, all the major booksellers have pre-orders right now. Um, Baker, obviously Chosen Books, has pre-order on their website and Amazon and all of that. But, Michael, it's an honor to finally see you face-to-face mm-hmm. and... Um, I appreciate that you're a voice God is raising up in your generation. May God invoke his blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow. God's going to use you in amazing ways. You look at your history, look at your legacy, look at the people God's allowed to touch your life and fuse your life. And you're going to just grow into what all that they did and beyond that. And may Mm -hmm. God enlarge your border for his glory. (laughs) In Jesus name, I receive that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you again for the time today. For those who are listening and watching right now, thank you so much. Uh, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, strengthened, awakened by the gospel of Jesus. Bless you, and I'll speak to you next time on Awakened Podcast.
Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.com org lifeportoutintl.org or you can go to destinyimage.com the audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory thank you